Blog Talk Radio. Welcome back to another special edition of the Four Scenes Fire American Soccer Show. The United States with a 4-0 victory over the Dominican Republic as they now book a spot in the semifinals of his qualifying tournament for the Tokyo Games. <coughs> Excuse me. They will await a winner uh, or a playoff team. Uh, coming, excuse me, uh, a winner or one of the two top teams in Group B to face next Sunday down in Guadalajara as a spot for the Olympics is up for grabs. Joined by Carter Krishnire of World Soccer Talk as the United States once again they defeat Dominican Republic by a final of 4-0. Before we even get to the U.S. end of things, Kardec, yeah, we have to say and give credit to the Dominican Republic because this side, even though they've only scored a goal in two matches and allowed basically eight in two matches, which we expected that to happen, but the way they played and the way they frustrated Mexico and the United States – you have to say that the Dominican Republic right now in this Olympic qualifying tournament, they are no longer a baseball island. They are no longer a baseball nation. They are now in a football nation, a soccer nation, because of the way they defended, they frustrated, and until the, get, the floodgates finally opened in the hour mark of this one against the United States, you know, Great job from the coaching staff of Dominican Republic. They got these players ready to go. Guzman and goal for Dominican Republic has shown in two matches what he's all about. And there will be a club uh, somewhere in the world that will look at that tape and say, you know what, let's go get this kid. Yeah, I, 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 uh, uh, not just this match, right? the Mexico game, he was phenomenal. I, uh, I hope Dominican Republic is becoming a football nation, soccer nation. I, I uh, have seen the development of football over the island in the last 10 years. We, uh, we took a look at, at the Dominican football infrastructure in 2011, so 10 years ago, uh, when I was uh, working with uh, NASL. Uh, and uh, I tell you what, they've come so far, and they have a lot of good, promising young players. This has been a great achievement for them to get to this level. Uh, Doc Goldman. Uh, who, who we all know uh, has been touting uh, this particular set of uh, um, Dominican players now for, for, for about a year, at least on Twitter, it seems like it's been a year that he's been saying it, and he's been right. I've been very impressed by them. Mexico game, they played very well also in the first half. I think what happens is when you have players who are not all, all of them full professional players, there are fitness issues once you get to minute 60. We even see this in U.S. Open Cup matches when MLS teams or USL teams play amateur teams. I mean, I've been in some of those matches where uh, with NASL and USL, we've had our teams play amateur teams, and I've been on the other side of it too, 
with the amateur team. And around minute 60 is when the fitness issues kick in. And I think you've seen that with both Dominican Republic matches against Mexico and against the United States. They have, uh, I think, conceded one goal maybe in the first 60 minutes, um, mm-hmm. one against Mexico and, and none against the U.S., right? And then they've conceded seven goals from minutes 60 to 90. That's often a fitness issue. Um, and I, I think they're, they're on their way. I, I'm, I'm uh, looking forward to seeing their match against Costa Rica, the final match, because I think that will give them a little bit of a breather in terms of maybe um, a less intense match that may, maybe they can get a point and go home with that and, and, and build on it. But, yeah, I, 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 not just the DR, honestly. Uh, we're seeing the Caribbean nations really uh, emerge now um, and take their youth development program seriously. Look, I mean, for years, Jamaica and Trinidad were able to uh, qualify for Gold Cups and, and the occasional World Cup uh, because – they had so many players of Trini or Jamaican descent that were good professionals in England. Um, but they never really developed football on the island properly, particularly Jamaica. Jamaica has tons of corruption in their federation. Um, since the FIFA scandal um, broke up the cabal in CONCACAF and in the Caribbean Football Union and the CFU, I think um, things have gotten better for a lot of these island nations. I think Jamaica is producing better players. Uh, on their own than they were then. And you, know, you certainly have seen some of them in MLS, a few of them with the Red Bulls, uh, quite honestly, Daniel. And then the Dominican Republic now putting players in MLS, now putting a lot of players in USL. Um, and you see it with Haiti. Uh, and you see it with even Antigua. Uh, football has gotten a lot better in the last 10 years. You see it with St. Vincent. You see it with a number of these. Uh, oh, Curacao. You see it with a number of these island nations uh, really coming of age. You really do. And while, you know, because of the FIFA scandal that it broke it wide open, and as we all saw, you know, some normality came into play. I mean, we all thought the whole Jeffrey Webb era started it when uh, uh, Captain Jack Warner left the Confederation. (laughs) Uh, We all thought that was the start of it. Uh, It really continued only in a different form of way of being super sneaky about and, and, and the it, and then the FIFA scandal the happened. Daniel, the guy we actually called That's the right. captain was Horace Burrell, who was, the, who was the president of the Jamaican Football um, Federation, or I'm not sure what they call it, but let's just call it the Football Federation Jamaica. And he was probably, uh, you know, he got away with it for years, so the, uh, until he finally got caught and he's passed away since. But I think actually Captain Burrell may have been more corrupt that Warner or Webb, his compatriots from other uh, Caribbean islands, believe it or not. I mean, that's how corrupt the Federation was. You could, there were so many corrupt figures in Caribbean football, you couldn't bust them all at once. So, in fact, when, we, when Warner was busted, we thought Webb was like a benevolent guy. Webb gets busted, and we think Burrell is a benevolent guy. Then it turns out Burrell is worse than Webb, and Webb was worse than Warner. So, yeah, I just felt like pointing that out. You got to point out everything that happened during that FIFA scandal before it, after, and everything. But I will say this, and, and you know, I hope to have him on the show one day. Victor Montagliani has really put this confederation uh, in the upper echelons of not just better competitions, not just improving the play on the national team level, also on the, club le- on the club level with the expansion of the CONCACAF Champions League. The CONCACAF League has been fantastic. We don't know the future of the CONCACAF League. Maybe it'll be just a separate tournament 
But let me just say this, Kardec. When you're seeing a nation like Dominican Republic, and I'll admit it, I, I mean, not to say like, you know, look, we all know who are the upper echelon national nations in CONCACAF. We all know it's the North Zone. We know Costa Rica and Central Zone. Uh, also, Honduras has to be given uh, some form of credit as well. Um, you know, Jamaica. Every once in a while, Trinidad and Tobago pops his head up, and then it goes back into the ground. But now you're seeing, like with Nations League, uh, better tournaments like the CONCACAF League for the club sides. CONCACAF Champions League is going to be expanded. Gold Cup has even been fixed with now uh, qualification for the playoff rounds before you get into the tournament itself. I mean, what Montagliani has done has been unbelievable to get this tournament and this confederation back to some form of, um, I mean, normalcy, if you want to call it. Competitiveness uh, is unbelievable. The competency has finally shown itself, and CONCACAF is now saying, you know what, you as a nation that's ranked – maybe 200th in the world in FIFA, maybe just below uh, the top 100 nations of the world. You have a fighting chance to qualify for the Olympics. You have a fighting chance to qualify for the Gold Cup. Your club can have a fighting chance in the CONCACAF League or in the Champions League. And look at how this competition has proven they really pushed it against Mexico, frustrated them. They did the same thing over at least an hour's worth of football against the U.S. until finally Jackson Ewell broke through and ended the deadlock. Yeah, I, I was a little curious um, in the first half by Christ's uh, decision to play Ewell in a, in, 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 a, in, a, in a position where he wasn't um, – uh, seeing as much of the ball and not and wasn't the chief, the chief distributor, right? And then uh, also yeah. the other thing that confused me about what Jason Christ did in the first half was that the U.S. Uh, wide midfielders or wingers or whatever you want to call them, attacking wide players, were were virtually hugging the touchline at times. They were not c- cutting inside and creating room for the fullbacks uh, to, to, to overlap. And you saw once Yule became more of a distributor in the center of midfield. Uh, And then you saw um, the wingers tinge in somewhat, Daniel, that the U.S. got going. The fullbacks were making overlapping runs. You were getting overloads on either either, uh, side of the pitch, and the Dominican defenders were, were, at that point, they were tiring. As we talked about past minute 60, they were also having a hard time coping with, with the overload of numbers in wide areas. But... The, the, the concern I have, again, is that tactically uh, Christ didn't, and I know uh, I, I wasn't uh, able to watch the match live uh, on Thursday. I watched it on, on delay. You guys did a show. I, I, I heard the same concerns, right? First half, very flat. It, it took a moment of individual brilliance to break through against Costa Rica, and you had all, all of these, I think, issues with the way uh, Christ set up the team. Now, I don't want to belabor this point. But I guess we have to. Okay, and if we qualify, job well done. But Jason Christ is a manager a lot of people feel is failing upwards, right? 
The, um, now, he was great at Real Salt Lake. A lot of people give uh, Garth Lager away the credit for what happened there, but I think Christ did a, a very good job, won an MLS Cup, built a, built a strong team that was competitive. I spent a week with them uh, one year in preseason, so I have a soft spot for Christ and for that whole uh, Salt Lake setup. But then uh, New York, we know it didn't go well. New York City FC, um, uh, I thought he may have gotten a raw deal, but the next season, Patrick Vieira with the same players had one of the best teams in MLS. Okay? Let's be honest. And then Orlando, I covered it firsthand with a disaster, with an absolute embarrassment the way uh, that thing went. And not only from a uh, result standpoint, but from a discipline standpoint, crisis final year, guys were, more guys were getting arrested than, than matches being won by, by Orlando City, honestly. So um, there was a discipline problem. Then, um, because there is a number of people associated with a specific agency that represents him that moved from Orlando to Fort Lauderdale, he gets the Fort Lauderdale job last season. Um, and coaches of Fort Lauderdale did a decent job, right? They had, they had a decent season in USL. Um, but now is on the coaching staff of Phil Neville at, uh, at Inter-Miami. You know, again, because of the connection to that one uh, agency. And um, same agency that, that helped get him the Orlando job. I, 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 I'm kind of appalled by the guys falling upward constantly. And, and this is a, a, a common complaint, Daniel, about U.S. soccer that that um, you're not getting um, you're not getting your top young coaches into these national team jobs, and you keep recycling guys at the national team level, and the results don't really change. So, um, look, I mean, it, it's all on the line for Christ because. They, they've won these two matches, but it's, it's required uh, tactical changes, and uh, you've gotten it wrong at the start in both matches. Um, and, uh, uh, yeah, brilliant goalkeeping from, from, from Dominican Republic, but quite frankly, there were some moments in the first half where the Dominicans looked like if they were a little more experienced, a little more decisive, they might have, you know, they might have created more trouble going forward on the counter. Um, so, yeah, uh, Jackson Neal breaks through. He, he's brilliant. I don't know why. He's not being used in the same role he is in, in, in MLS um, in this team. But, um, yeah, I mean, I guess the result, job done. But uh, I, I think we're, we might be a week from now, right? You know, we'll be doing a postgame show for the semifinals a week from now. We might, we might be having a, a really yep. frank conversation about this manager a week from now. Um, and, and, look, I, I, again, I said I didn't want to belabor the point. Maybe I have, Daniel. I am not the guy – uh, only guy saying this about this guy, about th- this manager. So I think uh, there were a lot of concerns knowing that we had, to, we had to qualify this time after having not qualified the last two times that he's been given the reins. And in these first two matches, he has not shown me anything that makes me more confident that he can uh, – I, I mean, I beat Mexico. I, we don't need to beat Mexico. We need to win the, the semifinal, uh, which is where we fall in the last two times. I guess if we beat Mexico, it would be a bonus, right? We'd get an easier semifinal. So it's all going to come down to Sunday, and I don't have very much confidence at this point. Coach will get it right. I do have growing confidence that the players on the pitch will figure it out, though. And I, I agree with you, actually, because, you know, look, I think you said everything I wanted to say. Look, what Jason Christ did with Real Salt Lake, once he was asked to retire to become the head coach of the team he was playing on after he, let, he was with Dallas for so many years, Excuse me. You know, I, I was, you know, I marveled at the job he did winning an MLS Cup, nearly 
beating Monterey for a CONCACAF Champions League title, nearly, well, losing 1-0 to D.C. United uh, at home in, the, in an Open Cup final. You know, you know how many how many how many trophies that team could have won uh, in the years that Jason Christ was the head coach. I mean, how many MLS cups he could have won if he was still the head coach right. uh, yeah. for Real Salt Lake. I mean, you know, he marveled somewhere, and I will say this, Cardick, somewhere in his tenure with New York City FC, he lost something because it was the third game against the New York Red Bulls where all of a sudden, at Red Bull Arena, they lost the Red Bulls 2-0 on the second trip to Red Bull Arena. That's when they were three and out in the regular season series then, a couple of, you know, in, in, in uh, New York City's first year in MLS. Yeah. That third match, yeah. post-match, in front of the New York sports media, he actually had a mental breakdown I mean, he started saying things that nobody understood what he was talking about. He looked yeah, yeah. lost. He, he, he looked frustrated. He was mentally the wrong, wrong guy to put in the New York market, too, right? That was a bad decision by City Football Group, right? I guess you can say they corrected yeah. it by bringing Vieira in in year two, and the team played very well for Vieira the three seasons he was there. But the damage, I think, to the team with the media and the reputation of the team with the media didn't recover from crisis. I, I remember that press conference too. You were there in person. I, I, I remember I was there in person. Yeah. Then, yeah, yeah. Then he he actually he was continuing to act bizarrely the rest of that season in interviews. Very kind of guarded. It felt like he had he's just a very different character. Um, you know, Daniel, you know this as well better than anyone. New York is a different it's a different apple, right? I was going to say, okay, that's a, well, that's you a better believe time. it. It's a different animal than than any other place. And if you're not mentally ready to, to, to deal with the media and the scrutiny there, you shouldn't go there. And uh, no. maybe that's it. He ha- just hasn't recovered. And in Orlando, um, you know, I felt a little bad for him because he took over for um, a, a man who was beloved in, in, in Inchi and in Adrian Heath. But, you know, quite frankly, yep. it, it clearly Christ took Orlando backward. Uh, Inchi gets the job up in Minnesota. And Minnesota – uh, the next few years was was a much better uh, team than Orlando. You know, he's head to head with 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 Christ. You had the the head to head comparison, and uh, it didn't look good for Christ. So um, this is, I think, a last chance uh, to salvage his reputation. I, I'm very shocked to see that uh, Phil Neville has put him on the staff. I, I don't uh, I don't know if that was Phil Neville's decision. Uh, really, kind of surprises me that he would do something like that, but. Uh, you know, maybe maybe he felt he needed a, a high level American or what he thinks is a high level American on his staff. Um, but yeah, it's going to come down to Sunday for him. And so, you know, let's talk about the tactical changes in the second half and give Christ some credit. So Jonathan yes. Lewis uh, was effectively hugging the touchline in the first half, or, or maybe you know was was really playing wide. Once Lewis cut inside, yeah. you saw those overlapping runs coming. Um, and I think that, that, that helped free up space and then more balls playing through Yule in the center of midfield, uh, and, and then he gets the goal. Yep, exactly. Jonathan Lewis, um, I, I think he for – I mean, obviously, I, I'd like to think that, you know, he's a future player for the national team. He's done wonders, not just when he started his career with New York City FC, but since he was traded to the Rapids. I mean, he has looked a much better player. 
He's looked more attacking, more deadly, dangerous out there with and without the ball. And, you know, to see his skill set on a Olympic qualifying team the way he has, and hopefully he'll be used in some of these other summer tournaments coming very soon. I don't know if he'll be used for the Nations League semis and final. He might be used for a Gold Cup. I don't know if uh, Berhalter will use him for World Cup qualifying, maybe for one of the games, maybe in October or November. We'll have to wait and see. I'm not going to judge his roster decisions right now because you can't. But I will say this. I really love what Lewis has done. But, you know, even in this one, I thought he got frustrated in the first half. And, yeah, maybe the better tactics and the better substitutions coming in allowed Lewis to be a little bit more fluid out there. But then once he came off, you know, everything kind of changed up. But, you know, once again, um, I really love Jonathan Lewis's game. Yeah, I do too. In fact, a small world, Jonathan Lewis was from Plantation, which is near me. Um, I, I live in Coral Springs, South Florida. Uh, Lewis's, um, Lewis's um, brother was actually uh, one of our producers for the broadcast we did for Miami FC games in, uh, in, in uh, and, uh, 2018 and 2000, well, 2019. Uh, so, it, 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 uh, uh, you know, in fact, I, I think with his brother, he, he came to the first half, which was against Miami United, a team that's now in the league I work for, PASL. And um, and I said, oh, you look like Jonathan Lewis. This is his brother. <laughs> so, yeah, I, I, think, <laughs> I think Jonathan Lewis was frustrated, you know, really frustrated, as you said, because what you had going on was really kind of no having, – having to, uh, um, to play wider as Christ was, for whatever reason, wanting his guys to do in the first half, left these kind of um, – these sorts of gaps um, – in, 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 the, in, in the attack and allowed um, the Dominican defense to, uh, to, to mark out the striker more easily. So that was, a, that was something I think was really problematic, if you ask me. And I, and, and I think for me also, um, when I saw um, Arojo not getting forward, right? And, and honestly, I think as much as we talk about Johnny, um, Johnny uh, – also was, was, was kind of uncomfortable in this, in this role where uh, he was having to play kind of in this box-to-box mode. Perea was doing the passing and, and, and the shielding, and Yule was, was, was kind of cut off and isolated, as, we, as we've already talked about. So I think for, for Johnny, yep. it was a poor match because of the tactics. I, I, I don't want to judge him. He didn't have a great, great match. And then, uh, but that was, I think, a big part of it. And then obviously Arojo and Vines uh, both uh, had uh, had issues in the first half because of the tactics. So again, I think you might see, say, hey, um, they didn't get the support and give us the overloads in the first half, and it made it. Uh, you know, no, don't take anything away from the Dominican defense, and of course Guzman, uh, who was the uh, the story of the tournament so far, right? The player of the tournament, uh, the goalkeeper for, for Dominican Republic was great again. But don't don't don't. Uh, I I I, uh, I think also um, our fullbacks not getting forward allowed, particularly with the Dominicans playing what looked like three at the back for much of that first half, um, allowed uh, them really to 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 make Ferreira um, 
isolated and 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 and, and uh, frustrated. Uh, and we talked about Lewis and Salcedo already, right? They were both uh, ineffective yep. in that setup. So, um, look, I, I again, I said I didn't want to belabor the point, but the manager got it wrong. Uh, credit to him that he fixed it. But um, this is a manager, as we talked about, uh, who his reputation in 2013 is not his reputation in 2021. And, and beginning with that uh, meltdown, uh, third match for New York City FC uh, through his time in Orlando and his time in Fort Lauderdale and now uh, uh, Miami. I spent a lot of time in Big Florida recently, obviously. Um, it's a guy that a lot of people are questioning, and, and this, uh, this match won't, won't solve any of that for him. No, it won't, unfortunately. But I will say this, though. Hassan Dotson, boy, I'll tell you, um, he's been a very good player club-wise for Minnesota United FC. To see him go out there and nab a brace the way he did, to be in perfect position, not just to slot it home inside the back post, but that cross shot going into the upper 90 inside the back post was unbelievable. This kid has got yeah, a that's future for the national team. Right? Right? Um, yeah, yep. because the, the, the reality is uh, that was the first time in, in, in a match and a half at that point, or a match and three quarters at that point, that Guzman looks flat-footed. Might be the only time he looks yep. that flat-footed the whole tournament. Like I said, I think he's been the player of the tournament so far. Exactly. Those Dominicans have lost exactly. matches. Um, that's how you take the doubt out of it. I, you know, this is the other question now. For, for Christ to answer, it's easy to say that he didn't start Hassan Dotson, right? It's easy to say right. when, uh, when Benji came on also around minute 60, things got better. Uh, Mihalovic is a player a lot of people like, and there was a lot of concern before the match, why hadn't he started, right? But um, yep. I also have to say at the same time, you got the best punch from the Dominicans the first 60 minutes that we talked about. Their fitness issues with them past minute 60. So I, you know, Hassan Dotson uh, comes in against a, a, a Dominican defense that is, is tired. It's kind of stretched at that point. So that's, um, so I, I would not automatically turn around and say, okay, you have to, you have to, you have to flip and you have to start Mihalovic in the next match and you have to switch uh, 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 Sacedo and, and start Dotson. I don't, I don't think it's that simple, although I do think there's some questions that do need to be asked. Uh, Sebastian Soto is another one that maybe uh, should play. Ultimately, the match against Mexico, you can afford to lose. However, I mean, if you lose it, you're in this position where you're going to be playing um, – you're probably going to be playing uh, the, the Canada or, or, uh, or Honduras, right? And, and um, Right. Look, I, I, uh, I I'm concerned about playing either one of them. I mean, I, I I think that this is this is the problem. I don't know what the preference is, who the preference is to play, but you can't go into the Mexico game thinking, okay, we may have an easier time with Canada and Honduras. I think in fact that U.S. Thinks, does think that that they would have an easier time with Canada than Honduras. We want to avoid playing Honduras, so we're going to play. Uh, we're going to we're, we're going to uh, uh, play a, a watered-down squad against Mexico and then finish second in the group so we can play Canada, I, I, or, or, or however you would figure, figure it. You can't go into this final match thinking that, and at the same time, because Christ has, has rotated the squad and, and it has taken advantage of the five substitutions, that helps 
deeper squads like the U.S. and Mexico also. Um, yeah. I think he's still at a loss to, to kind of describe his best 11. He also made a goalkeeper change today, which um, I, I think he's going to go back. Um, uh, I, I think he, he'll go back to him uh, for, for, for the Mexico game, but it was still a little bit surprising, right? I mean, he, he's got the number yeah. one shirt or we at Salt Lake this year. And um, I, I was, uh, I think goalkeepers, you don't have to rotate. I think it's so a, is a guy that their, their fitness levels are, you know, you measure that differently than with field players. So the idea that Ochoa uh, needed to be fat today and need to give uh, Marginalski the match, I don't know. I mean, maybe there was a reason for that. But so this is the question. What do you do in the Mexico game? Do you rotate through that maybe and say, okay, if we lose that match, it doesn't matter. We'll play either Canada or Honduras next Sunday and beat them. Um, and do you play – you know, Matt Free. You play Aaron Herrera in this match. Uh, do you, you play Pineda? Um, Lionez is a guy that, for whatever reason, is, is, is not rated, it seems like, by Christ. Uh, maybe you give him a start. And then you have all the guys you feel need to be fresh for the match against either Canada or Honduras, which is do or die, on Sunday. Fresh. But then you need to get your team out of the rhythm. So uh, there's some pretty big decisions coming up for Jason Christ. Very big decision. The, mm-hmm. and, uh, it's all no, I agree with you there. Yep, I agree with you. Real quick before um, I get... He was tested. I don't think he was tested at all in this one. But um, let me just say this. I have at least seen Ochoa win a USL championship title with Real Monarchs. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you know, I, I've seen qualities of him I haven't seen in a long I'll be honest. If you if I'm going too far, you can let me know. I would say he's closer to Tim Howard than when Timmy was in his prime. Yeah, I mean I, I think that Choa has a lot of the quality to be thought uh with the Metro Stars with Howard, which got Sir Alex Ferguson interested in them. Um look, keepers you rate differently than you rate field players. So I think um yeah, I, I, everybody yep. was kind of shocked that Pep Guardiola rated Zach Steffen. <laughs> I mean, like, he did. It's just like we, we were all kind of surprised when Sir Alex Ferguson you know, rated Tim Howard. I think he has some of those same qualities. He's good. He's, for his age, he's pretty good with his feet. His shot stopping is, is second to none among young keepers in the pool. Uh, we saw him with Real Monarchs. We saw him in that final against Louisville um, in 20, uh, 2019. It would be... Because of the pandemic, I've lost track of years for 2019, right? And, um, yeah, I think mm-hmm. he's the number one. He doesn't have the number one shirt with this team, which confuses me, but I think he's the guy. And I think Christ knows he's the guy, okay? Let's give Christ the benefit of the doubt on this one. Right. Yeah. But I want to say this, and this is coming from John Jagu. Um, and as everyone knows, John Jagu, the Canteen MX podcast, uh, follow him all the time if you want to know about League MX very closely. I rate him very highly. In fact, I think he's number one in my opinion. No offense to anyone that does follow League MX and covers League MX, but John is really – I really trust John a lot. This is what he tweeted to me when I was like – I was surprised, when I tweeted out, I was surprised that you know Mexico only scored four goals against Dominican Republic because I expected them to destroy them, at least to put ten past them. That didn't happen. We Now we know why, but – he says, Dominican Republic's coach is Mexican, 
and has Mexico scouted down to the bus driver. It was a miracle they scored four, to be honest. Now, when you, get, when you hear that from John Jagu, and I give him credit for this, when you hear that from John, you know he knows that Mexico was lucky they didn't disgrace themselves against Dominican Republic because the way they defended and the way the keeper played, Mexico got lucky that they even got at least more than two. That's how good of a scouting job that the Dominican Republic did with their Olympic qualifying team. And now I also found out that that man is now with the senior squad for World Cup qualifying. Who knows how far Dominican Republic will get to either getting out of the first round and dying in the second, or maybe they get lucky and they go all the way to the final round. We don't know. But at least we know one thing for sure, Cardic, is that Dominican Republic is getting better and Mexico right now, or should I say uh, Dominican Republic right now, has a man that knows what he's doing for this this Caribbean island that could become a threat in the future. Not now. At least deep into the future. Because this is just cracking the surface. Yeah, no, no, no question about that. I, and I think uh, they're looking uh, at, 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 at a, a generation, the first time they've actually had a generation of players that have come to a system working together as a national team, qualifying for tournaments, and, uh, and, and moving forward that way. I think, I think it's very, very significant for them. I do also think, though, that uh, the Caribbean region has gotten better in general. I mean, obviously, uh, they've got a big... Uh, uh, World Cup qualifier against Dominica uh, on on uh, on uh, Wednesday themselves at home in, in the Dominican Republic. So uh, that's uh, match they're going to have to win uh, in this new qualifying format. Or I think it's probably going to be a one-time qualifying format, right? Because it's the last 32 team World Cup, and we're coming through a pandemic. Uh, there isn't much margin for error. I, I also want to uh, mention that. Uh, uh, Dave Sarakin will be making his World Cup qualifying debut with uh, former U.S. men's national team coach and obviously former coach of uh, of uh, L.A. Galaxy and, and Chicago Fire, head coach of Chicago, uh, assistant coach with the L.A. Galaxy and D.C. United. Uh, Sarakin will be making his debut for Puerto Rico against Dave Kitts and Nevis. There was a lot of talk about politics in the Puerto Rican Federation, and uh, Sarakin taking the Puerto, Rican, Puerto Rico job um, being uh, – a, a real statement from one of the factions there, um, the, the, the faction that's in power now, but that maybe uh, it's a bridge too far, right? Maybe Sarakin's going to be very frustrated by what he finds and, and, and kind of the infighting going on in Puerto Rico. So um, and it's kind of like Puerto Rican society, right? They're divided about a lot of things, the statehood, uh, uh, you know, staying in the U.S. Commonwealth, uh, independence, et cetera. So, um, yeah, that, so that, that's something else I'm looking forward, forward to on Wednesday is that match, obviously the United States has a friendly uh, that they're playing, but I'm really looking forward to the CONCACAF qualifiers. Guatemala-Cuba is another match. Um, I, I think that's Wednesday also, if I'm not mistaken. That, that, that's a match that's going to be a good match. Well, Cuba, um, Cuba has been able now under these new rules to call in some players that I'm very familiar with, that I've worked with personally um, uh, here in the United States. And, um, uh, guys that when they defected, they weren't able to play for Cuba before, right? So um, right. I am really excited 
about what the Cuban national team might provide. And, and maybe I'm overrating my guys, you know, if you want to call them my guys. Uh, but I, I think they're going to surprise a lot of people in qualifying if they can get the cohesion together. Because they, they have some absolute ballers uh, on that side. So I, I'm looking forward to seeing Cuba against Guatemala, maybe even for my own personal reasons, on Wednesday. Mm-hmm. They should be a lot of fun. I can't wait. By the way, just let everyone know, Mexico, Costa Rica is just uh, opening whistle, just blew. So this is going to be a big test now uh, for Mexico, I think, because I think the Costa Ricans were upset about, you know, they were on the front foot against the U.S., even though they were down one goal to nil throughout the rest of the tournament, and or should I say through the, through the first game. And, you know, if Costa Rica can upset Mexico here, you know, the USA – remains in first place, and goal differential is very big, Cardick. Right now for the U.S., they haven't conceded a goal in, the, in these two games. For the U.S., they are five up, nil, nothing at all on uh, being scored on. And right now, Mexico is a plus three, so the U.S. is ahead by two goals on the differential right now. Yeah, the goal that Mexico gave up, to the Dominican Republic could be could be very costly. Uh, we'll see. I mean, if they can get through this match uh, against Costa Rica with a win, um, it, 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 then it, if it comes down to a goal difference against the U.S. if there's a, if, if there's a draw, I do think it's possible. Uh, you see, and this could play to the advantage of Mexico. Uh, Mexico winning tonight one nil and being minus one uh, to the U.S. on goal difference. And then uh, Christ, knowing Christ from MLS, at least the end of his MLS career, setting up in a, uh, setting up in, in a shape that's um, more defensive and getting picked apart and, and conceding two or three goals. So it might actually be better. I mean, I, in the overall tournament, I'm not sure what is better, actually. But um, in terms of the U.S. approach to the match on Wednesday, it may be better uh, the, the two scenarios would be Mexico either lose today, that would be fantastic for us, uh, or Mexico win by more than two goals, so that we have to we don't have to, we don't sit back and get embarrassed and have our and then have our uh, confidence shaken for uh, for a uh, um, game on uh, Sunday. But also, the other thing is psychologically, I think it's it, the way the U.S. the, the psychology of the American player from the last few years. This isn't the, the mentally tough group of, 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 uh, uh, of, of yesteryear, of the Brian McBride and the, uh, uh, the, the Claudio Reyna. This is not the, 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 the era of Cello Balboa and, and Alexi Wallace and Eddie Pope after that. This, these guys, this particular set of U.S. players, I have to address this too, uh, has proven uh, through the last uh, however many years, this generation of U.S. players to be too mentally fragile to handle these sorts of things, to handle adversity. When things go bad, they snowball. Um, now, you could say maybe that was a reflection of the managers. Maybe you could say it was a reflection of Jurgen Klinsmann and then a reflection of, uh, of Bruce Arena and a reflection of, of Greg Berhalter. But <clears throat> I, I don't know. I think I, it's tough to blame every manager when you see these things repeating themselves with players. So my fear is, and I know the temptation would be to blame Christ if it happens, but I, I fear that maybe he, he, he doesn't – he doesn't have any control over this, that if things don't go well on Wednesday against Mexico, that just creates all of this mental fragility for the game against uh, Honduras or Canada. And we saw this in 2015 in the Olympic qualifying tournament. It's hard to believe that was almost six years ago now. 
that Olympic qualifying tournament. But still, the way we hosted that tournament has probably a better group of players than this group and, and, and lost to Honduras inexplicably because there had been some, some seeds of doubt in, from the previous match. And, um, and also, it happened in the 2011 tournament because these are quick turnarounds in these tournaments. We had a match against Canada. We drew the game because they had, they had an outstanding goalkeeping effort from the guy, Mikhail Masevich, who was their keeper on that tournament. Uh, against the bad candidates, we had battered them. But that that fed directly into the El Salvador match in the knockout stage where they beat us. And, and we, we went home. And, and uh, again, as I said, that repeated itself in 15. It, it, 21, I'm concerned it will repeat itself again. So, you know, even if we play Mexico and we lose 1-0, I want a confident, strong effort that allows us in the next match, Daniel, to – to, to, to come in with some sense of confidence, with some sense of purpose, and not, not dread the big moments. That's the other thing. I think there's been a lot of fear. Our, our generation, previous generation of players, previous two generations of players used to thrive on adversity. These guys uh, tend to be scared of the moment. Um, yeah. So no. I, uh, mm-hmm. I'm concerned. We, you know, we, we have, we're going to have to play well on Wednesday. You know, we don't have to say, oh, we, we qualified, whatever. You know, it's Mexico. We're playing down in at, at Jalisco. Um, I assume that match is at Jalisco. Uh, this match was at the Ashland Stadium. Uh, it's, well, they're both in, in, in obviously in Jalisco, but uh, Stadio Jalisco, I think we're playing uh, Mexico at. So I, I, uh, yes, mm-hmm. uh, I certainly hope we we're mentally tough about it. I hope so, too. Mexico just scored. It's 1-0 right now for El Tri uh, in the first five, six minutes of the match. So... Right now, it looks like Mexico is off and running at the moment. You can watch it live on English on Fox Sports 1. Of course, you go to TUDN for Spanish language uh, commentary for that one. Um, uh, <laughs> excuse me. I, I really think that Jason Christ right now, uh, you might have to do a little more rotation here, Cardiac, and I'll tell you why. Jesus Ferreira right now has a yellow card. Now, I believe, and I could be wrong, um, I, I think you have to sit him out against Mexico in the final group stage game because oh, yeah, yeah, I know that – you, I mean, you've got you to let him sit. I mean, if you want him to play the last 10, 15 minutes, fine, of the match. The last 10, 15 minutes, okay, that's fine. That's not a big deal. But I, I really think that you cannot allow Ferreira to play in this game. Not because I think he needs the rest, but because all whatever whoever's on a single yellow gets wiped out and they start fresh in the semifinals. Yeah, no. And so at least, yeah. So you start to back. So at least anyone, right? I think you're going to have yeah, to let somebody so else start up top. Put Soto. You put Soto up top. You probably play. Uh, maybe you play Salcedo on 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 the on the on the left. Give Lewis the day off, and you play. Um, well, I mean, you, well, you want to play Dotson centrally. Um, yeah, but you figure something out. Maybe you do play Lewis, and then you play Salcedo on the on, on the right. Uh, but you start with yeah. Soto, I think. That's a great point, Daniel. Who else is on a yellow, by the way? Um, is, it, is it just Ferreira? Um, there's what, there was one person. There there was one person in the Dominican in the Costa Rica game. I know had a yellow card. I forgot who it was. But was it Glad? Um, Did Glad get a yellow? I think so. I think I so. Yeah. Glad had a yellow. Yeah. So so you you, you sit him, um, obviously. I mean, he's a guy you have to have. In the, in, right, so absolutely. 
uh, he's one of the more experienced yeah. uh, players. And then I think uh, you also you also consider managing uh, Jackson Ewell's minutes in this match. Yes, you have to. I, I mean, I'd rather have Ewell come off the bench. I'd rather have him be a sub than start. I mean, you know, we all know what he's done. Because you're going to need him to go nine, um, maybe 120. Yeah. See, keep in mind, he, he might have to play 120 minutes on Sunday. So um, that's exactly thing Christ has to consider. Exactly. He has to because that's when you might have to go into extra time. You never know if you're going to go into extra time. You've got to make sure that, of course, you have your substitutes ready to go, and there might be you know, more of a window for your substitutions than, uh, than in a regular season game. Now, as we've both already said, Cardick, you know, obviously you want to get the best out of your rivals in Mexico. We all know this. But this is where you've got to play it smart here. you really, really got to play it smart because this is the third game of the group stage. Yes, we know. Everyone wants to see the big matchup between the U.S. and Mexico, fighting it out, you know, positioning themselves, who will be, take the number one spot of the group, who will be the runner-up. And then you've got to go out there, and you have to find a way to manage minutes now. You've got to be extra smarter, extra smarter than you were before. It's Look, Job well done. You got the six points. It wasn't pretty. It wasn't excellent. It wasn't the best performances, I would say, for a match and a half. Maybe a little bit more than a half. But you got the necessary six points to put yourself in the semifinal match. That is the job well done. Could have been a lot better, but still, though, job well done. This is the next one where you say, okay, we're going, to go via, we're going to give you a hard time, but we're going to make sure we give some of those players the rest that they deserve. Whoever is on a single yellow card, you're not going to play. We're going to save you for the semifinal game because that's the most important game out of this tournament. And then whatever happens there, you qualify for the Olympics and you go for the Olympic tournament final match for the trophy. We'll see what happens then. But until you get to the semifinal match, you got to your, your roster selections for the starting 11 and for the bench has to be spot on by Jason Christ. Before anything else happens, before anything else happens to get to that semifinal match, you make sure no one who is on a single yellow plays in the next game unless you have no choice. Yeah, or unless it's for a 10-minute cameo. But you don't want a guy coming on for 10 minutes and getting – I mean, I remember that happened in the World Cup to France in 2006. They throw through Luis Saha, who they really could have used in the final, as it turns out, against Italy, on for the last 10 minutes of the semifinal against Portugal to kind of just stretch the game. And he got a yellow, and he was out for the final. And then um, they were without a, 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 a striker to spell Henri in the final. So – I mean, you have, sometimes you have to be careful. If, if you throw Pereira on, you've got to make sure he, he, he pulls out a tackle, uh, et cetera. Now, again, it might be a little different because this isn't a game you, don't, you have to win. So maybe you throw Pereira on for 10 minutes and, and, and he makes no contact with anyone, right? He, just, he, he gets a couple right. of touches on the ball and, and, and maybe a shot on target if, you, if uh, you're playing on the break um, or if you need to spell Soto. You could also play Ferreira off off the the wing on the on the uh, right side, uh, potentially late in the match, and then 
uh, he'll get, get a couple touches there, and maybe that also gives him a chance to play in that role in the event that you want to play Soto through the middle in, in the uh, semifinal. Although I, I, I actually think that uh, Christ is, is more comfortable with this, uh, this setup like this, with uh, Ferreira in the middle yeah. and Salcedo and Lewis on either, on either wing. Exactly. I agree with you there. Um, and my other criticism is, you know, as we've said already about the tactics that Christ did, you know, these first halves, it's been, if you want to say wishy-washy, it's okay, because they get off to these good starts in the first 10 minutes, and then they somehow turn, they switch off a little bit, and then they got to go and defend. And then when they are able to go into attacking runs, they get stopped by the opposition. And then when it gets to the second half, then things get a little bit better halfway through the second half. And, you know, I don't want to blame everything on the pandemic because I think that's a little bit of an excuse, but at the same time, it's not because MLS has had no matches until the start begins April 16th, 17th, 18th, that that weekend in mid-March. Because by now, we would have had already two to three matches already in MLS. But from Christ, or is it mental from the players? Because they get off to good starts, then they fizzle out, then they're defending, then they're frustrated, and then all of a sudden they turn it on when they get somewhere either at the start of the second half or maybe first 10, 15 minutes of the second half, they finally get going again. Yeah. No, no. And, and, and I think that this, uh, again, this is, a, this is an issue uh, of, uh, of, of, of management, right? And, and, and an issue in terms of how, uh, uh, how you view uh, Jason Christ and the job he's doing um, in terms of uh, – Managing this personnel. Now he's had a lot of time to prepare for this job. Um, so, I, I, look, I mean, we're, we we haven't been impressed with the way the team has set up the first two matches, but it is getting into a flow in these tournaments. Um, look, I, I I I I'll be the first to raise my hand and do a mea culpa and say I was guilty. I was hammering Jill Ellis through the group stage of the 2015 Women's World Cup. I mean, I was sitting in a press box, speaking of, of Christ, Christ was coaching Orlando City, or actually apparently with Snow Inchi, but sitting in the press box with Paul Tenorio and Neil Blackman and, and, and some other people who, who cover U.S. soccer. Um, uh, I think uh, uh, Mike Romalho from, from Ivis, uh, Soccer by Ivis was there. Uh, same conversation. I'm like, I, I don't know what this manager is doing. And, uh, you know, she's holding Carly Lloyd back. She's holding back our personnel. And everyone agreed with me. Like, this team has problems. What is going on? How could we have settled on her? How could we have sacked Tom Cervani? How could we have, uh, 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 how could we have a, a manager that isn't playing Carly Lloyd in her strongest position, which she wasn't at the time? Remember, um, uh, what ended up happening is Morgan Bryan gets inserted into the lineup when uh, Lauren Holiday gets uh, suspended, and that kind of changed the whole shape of the team. And then uh, Carly goes on, a, and we you talked about it with Glenn Crook previously on the show, and it goes on a tear of the yep. last uh, match of the World Cup. But, I mean, I, I have to admit, I was there in the middle of a tournament. You know, we started throwing a tournament saying, like, Jill Ellis is trash. I can't believe Sunil fired Tom Sermani and left us with this when we saw the progress under Sermani at that point. And, 
the other journalists, I'm, I hope I do speak out of school by naming them, they were agreeing with me. They're like, yeah, this team has problems. Well, why, why? We can't see what Ellis is doing. Well, you know, a couple of years later, we look like complete idiots because no one else has won uh, two World Cups uh, uh, back-to-back in the men's or women's game as a manager. So um, that's the reality is that you sometimes grow into these tournaments. And let's hope that's what's happened with Jason Christ and the U.S. team. However, Jason Christ's body of work for the last five years, as we talked about, does not give us – or for the last six years, starting with 2015, does not give us any sort of reassurance that he's the right guy for this job. But uh, maybe the mistakes in setup today, in this first, first 45 minutes, uh, the poor performance, the performance was very much – um, you know, we can we, we give Dominican Republic a lot of credit, Guzman in particular, but, but we also say that the United States set up poorly and and uh, deserve to be behind in that match or deserve to be level. I mean, they certainly didn't deserve to be winning based on the way that, that the team was set up. That Navy, Christ woke up, and the changes we saw are going to be what we're going to see carrying us through the rest of the tournament. So let's hope that's the case. But, yeah, Daniel, your point is very well taken about the way in two successive matches we've set up uh, and we've had to make changes, and we do have the, the benefit of five substitutions, which we normally wouldn't have at this level in this sort of tournament. That's because of the pandemic. Um, and Christ has taken advantage of having a deeper team and a more professional team than the opposition by using the five substitutions and then getting goals, uh, goals starting to uh, – well, a goal in the last match and then goals starting to, to, to flow in here after, uh, after multiple substitutions were made. Uh, but um, – yeah, the performances have not been good. And, and uh, let's hope Dominic Ochoa never needs to stand on his head again in the last 30 minutes of the match like he did uh, against Costa Rica. Yeah, I agree. I mean, like I said, I mean, no offense to Mars Sinkowski, but – and I know he got he won the job uh, for the Earthquakes to take over in goal, but still, though, I, I think Ochoa – no offense to Mars Sinkowski. I think Ochoa has shown – he's been, I would say, not by much, but – the more accomplished starting goalkeeper than Marcinkowski is. I think Marcinkowski won the job in the middle of the year last year and just took it over. Yeah, I think Ochoa but, uh, has... Again, Ochoa, look, I, I, there might be MLS people who look down upon USL, but I, I will tell you uh, and look, look down upon NASL when I work in the league, so I'm very particular about these sorts of things. I will tell you, the way Ochoa played in a final with all the pressure on him against Louisville a couple of years ago with, Mon- with Real Monarchs, yep. That's the kind of atmosphere and test you face in this sort of one-off knockout Olympic qualifying match. So he's the more tested keeper as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I agree with you there because what he did against a Louisville City that we all know in USL Championship, I mean, they've been to like how many conference finals, how many USL Championship finals, and, you know, even though they lost in a heartbreaker to the New York Red Bulls back in – 2017 in the USL Championship fine, uh, Eastern Final at Red Bull Arena, yeah. they kept knocking on the door. They kept on knocking on the door. And then when you've got John Hackworth coming in, and finally they get two consecutive that was a Red Bull championships. With, uh, with Tyler Adams and, uh, and Aaron Long, for those who don't know. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, continue. Exactly. Exactly. I mean, Tyler Adams, Aaron Long... I mean, Derek Etienne Jr., who just won an MLS Cup title yep. with the Columbus Crew right. last year. I, I mean, you're t- and, and Ryan Mera in goal as well, who was amazing uh, for that 2017 uh, team. Was Mera, I, I mean, the, eight, yeah, yeah, what's the keeper? You're right. Yeah, yeah. That was yep. a really good team. Yep. 
yeah, that was a very, very good team. You know, all these players, academy players, uh, you know, the only problem is Speedy Williams wasn't able to play because of an injury in the final. You know, I mean, yeah. he was also pretty good, too, for Red Bull, uh, too, for those for that year. Actually, it was 2016. I'm sorry. But anyway, yeah, as yeah. I'm saying, you know, um, you got a Louisville City team that has all these great players. Now they have a great stadium. I've seen on television, on ESPN, um, Lynn Family Stadium is unbelievable. I'm so happy Louisville is finally out of the minor league baseball stadium. But when you have a team like Salt, like Real Salt Lake does in USL Championship with the Monarchs. And these are players like you're, you're giving academy players a chance to play in a professional setting in USL Championship so that they can be ready for MLS. Like I said, no offense to Marcinkowski, but Ochoa is more accomplished because of that title. Because, and I understand what you're saying. MLS will always look down at the leagues below. Well, you know what? No, you can't. Because if Salt Lake is looking for the next Nick Romando, because Nick Romando's no longer the goalkeeper, he's not playing anymore. Where is he going to? Where are you going to get him from? You're going to bring him over in the transfer window. You're going to bring him over as a you know free transfer, free agent, somewhere la- lounging around somewhere in the country. You're going to pick this guy. Let's get this guy going. No, you want to go and see who's in your academy and who's ready to take the next step, and that's Achoa. And I really believe Achoa. Um, I mean, we'll see what happens down the road. I mean, who knows? I thought Matt Turner might be considered a backup for Zach Steffen uh, for World Cup qualifying matches. I have, I've even said in the past, I think Turner uh, for the New England Revolution, he could get a starting position uh, in the Gold Cup tournament if you're not going to use Steffen for the Gold Cup. Now, you might have a goalkeeper battle if it's not Ochoa with maybe Matt Turner in the Gold Cup after the Olympics, depending on when the Olympic Games are going to start. And if Ochoa, you know, does get an opportunity, who knows? He could be second stringer. He could be third stringer because at, at the moment right now, I think second string is available or backups available. And if he makes the World Cup roster as a third stringer, then by all means, he learns a lot from going into the World Cup in 2022 if we qualify for 2022. Yeah, no, absolutely. And I think Matt Turner... That's a pretty good shout, as is, um, as is uh, um, uh, Ethan Horvath, who, uh, who maybe we'll see in one of these matches, uh, friendly matches, this, uh, this uh, window. Look, I mean, with Olympic qualifying going on, it's been tough to uh, really focus on the full national team. Uh, but they have three friendlies coming up, and uh, we'll get to see, uh, see who plays and, and, and how it goes in those friendlies for, for the keepers. I'm, I'm particularly curious because I'm – I'm worried about our keeper depth, which is why Soto, uh, I, I, I think, uh, uh, Soto, sorry, <laughs> uh, Ochoa has, a, has an yeah. opportunity to, to, to stake his claim in terms of the, uh, the backup, uh, the number two shirt or maybe the number three shirt in, uh, in Qatar should we qualify, or actually even in World Cup qualifying, because I think we, we're not there yet. Matt Turner's the guy a lot of us want to see in the national team. Um, but beyond Stefan, it's wide open. Yeah, I agree with you there. I think for the first time in a long time, and, you know, like I said, you know, Zach Stefan, he's finally getting some games now for Manchester City. But, you know, I think the starting goalkeeper position is definitely wide open. I agree with you. Uh, you've got so many choices right now 
Maybe you might be forcing some players to grow up, but you know what, Cardiff? We'll have to wait and see what's going to happen. And what's going to happen is the show is over. We're going to talk to everyone uh, this coming Wednesday night after USA-Mexico in the Olympic qualifying tournament. At the moment, 1-0 Mexico over Costa Rica. Whoever wins this one, we'll see what's up for grabs on Wednesday night. Will be the uh, number one spot, or will the U.S. Uh, gain the second spot? We'll have to wait and see. But Cardiff, it's a lot of excitement right now for the U.S. Still some issues I think we're watching, but hopefully everything will be done and over with after this coming Wednesday's uh, final qualifying match in Group A, and then hopefully in the semifinals we'll see who they'll face from Group B. And then uh, we all hope it's uh, it's a trip to Tokyo to the Far East. Yeah, um, exactly. So uh, uh, Wednesday is 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 is, is important. I think psychologically, uh, in terms of how it sets us up for Sunday, but Sunday, it's all on the line. Next Sunday, a week from now, uh, check in with us again here on, on the Forest Seed Fires uh, post-game show because uh, we're either going to be very happy or we're going to be, uh, uh, yeah, we're, it's going to be the range of emotions. It's one or the other. Exactly, exactly. Carter, thank you again. I'll talk to you on Wednesday night. Thank Thanks you. a lot. Thank you. All right, Carter Krishnire, World Soccer Talk, also uh, – Communications officer for the Premier Amateur Soccer League, helping me out in the qualifying tournament post-match shows. It should be exciting. should be a lot of fun. Cannot wait to see what's going to happen. But once again, everybody, thank you very much for listening to us tonight. Always don't forget the archive show. Join us on Wednesday night, 1130 Eastern, uh, 830 Pacific. And once again, it will be USA versus Mexico on Wednesday night. But tonight, the United States defeating Dominican Republic by a final of four goals to nil. At the moment, six points. They've qualified for the semifinals for the match. They win next Sunday. They move on to the Olympic Games in Tokyo, Japan, later this summer. For Carter Krishnire, I'm Daniel Feuerstein. This has been the Feuerstein's Fire American Soccer Show, the CONCACAF Men's Olympic Qualifying Tournament, Dominican Republic, USA, post-game show. We'll talk to you guys on Wednesday night. Take care so long, and bye-bye for now.